cliffcentral.com. Luckily for you, Anthea is here. So we can find out what's going on with your money this morning. Yes, and it I is the money shot. Oh. Actually, at the ESCOM, I was actually at ESCOM on Friday you were for protesting. a meeting. No, oh. for a meeting when they were marching, it was hilarious. I mean, the fact that it was just bucketing down with rain, oh, that's and they good. were just all there, stood with like. I don't know, 25 buses waiting to take them back to where. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys want to march, but you still need a bus to take you home. Shame. Let's do the song. Terrible. Here's your song, Anthea. Come on, let's enjoy this for a moment. Everybody. A one, a two, a one, a two, a one, a two, a three, four, five, six, seven. This is like an exercise song. From the 80s. Yeah, aerobics. Anthea, what do you got for us today? Good morning. So last week, oh my goodness, doom and gloom. You thought the budget speech was going to be the big news of last week. Oh no, it was uh, the fact that the S&P fell for a seventh consecutive day on Friday. Um, and there was, it was the biggest weekly decline we've seen since November 2018. So basically the GFC, the global financial crisis. Complete <sighs> pandemonium yeah, and is panic. It, is, and is any of this justified? Any uh, of it? So I, that's, that's the question that I keep asking myself. Six billion dollars, tri- six trillion dollars was wiped off exchanges. Like value was destroyed. And my view is that this is a one price earnings ratio, a one PE ratio. So in other words, it's only going to happen for a very limited period. Um, and, and we, and we've done this before. We've looked at the numbers and said, well, SARS fatality rate was five times more. MERS was 30% where coronavirus is only 2%, right? Um, so, so it is completely crazy. So this absolute run to safe haven assets, gold spiking, U.S. Treasury yields plummeting. 1.35 I saw at one stage, and this was from a couple of weeks ago when it was 1.8. Oil dropped below $50 a barrel. Well, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I think that my view on this is that the markets know or investors know that we're in the late stage economic cycle, global economic cycle. And so it's as if they think coronavirus is the catalyst mm-hmm. that is going to tip us into a rec- the so globe into a recession. A bunch of people who could not predict the 2008 global financial crisis are still people who make the rules for everyone else. And all they're looking for is an excuse to see the market tank. And this is half the problem. These are not sensible people. Because they missed 2008. Now they're jittery and jumpy about everything. So now now everything's the catalyst. Let me tell you something. There are so few people who are dead by comparison with almost any disease you want to use as an index in history. This is ludicrous. And the markets are – it's like the markets are a bunch of infants. And I'm not talking about the market itself, but the people who make these decisions, these same economists – that Anthea's talking about. It's just ludicrous. Nothing has fundamentally changed. Nothing. There you go. Good companies are still making profits or they will still, maybe not 
right now, but they will get back to making well, profits. They look, will be good companies. The only, the only reality we can measure, China has been shut down for like a month and a half, two months. Okay? And, and that does impact your profitability. Sure, that's going to have a bit of a long tail in terms of, 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 of d- delivery, manufacturing, uh, consumption, prices, all of that stuff. That we can figure out. But this panic over coronavirus, go and ask the average economist what they even understand about coronavirus, and they'll have no answers. None. Just jumpy as hell. So, so the reality is, I Your know... Your friends, Anthea. <laughs> my friends, exactly. <laughs> and, well, talk about my friends. I mean, I was, I was with my friends this weekend who were supposed to be traveling to New Zealand in April. And now they're not going to, I think, because they are nervous. So it does have a tangible impact, right? The, the sad thing about this is that the U.S. reporting season has just completed, right? So we're done for the quarter. Phenomenal mm-hmm. results. This is obviously from last year, pre-coronavirus or COVID-19. And we're not seeing it reflecting in the stock market. So it's a real disappointment. But then over the last couple of months, the stock market in the U.S. has just gone from strength to strength. We have such a short index and frame of reference here. This kind of makes me think of Donald Trump. Like, what's he going to do now? Because his well, election campaign is based on the market going correct. up, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, that's a dangerous game to play. And this is why. <laughs> but I also think once we all start to realize that this coronavirus thing is a made-up hysteria, like so much other stuff in American politics, then everything will reset. Mm. And then it'll keep on going up from where it was. Okay. So... If you're a long-term investor and you have happened to look at your portfolio last week, I think don't panic. If you are a new investor, I think this could be a great opportunity. And I read that there was that the Israelis have created a vaccine already or found a vaccine and that they should be able to test start testing on humans in a couple of weeks. Um, and so there you go. I, I think if you're an investor and you've got some cash, this could be a great opportunity. Sure. And if you don't have cash, you don't have a house like those people are living on Green Market Square in Cape Town, you can volunteer to be the test subject. I'm not um yeah. I'm trying well, to find jobs crickets, for these I'm trying crickets. to find I'm trying to find jobs for these people. At least I'm doing something. What are you people doing? Just talking about it? I like the weather. Do you like the weather? I like it a lot. All right, tell me about some company stuff. Do we not want to talk about the budget? Oh, well. Are you over the budget already? No, we, no we, we moved through it quite quickly, but you, you give us your uh, top line. Yes, yeah, so I was, I was absolutely surprised. I could not believe no major tax increases. That is phenomenal. And I, I think. What does the, that tell you? The finance minister has finally got it. He realizes he's being pragmatic. He's realized that. South Africans are being taxed to the max, and that's it. They can't anymore. He's kept inflation, or he's particularly being pointed about the little increases that he has made, you know, on tobacco and Mm -hmm. alcohol here and there. He made a point of saying, I've made those tax increases as small as possible so that I will I will contain inflation, so that inflation goes doesn't go out of kilter. And I think he sent – the Reserve Bank a very um, poignant message saying, inflation's okay, I'm not taxing everybody, can you please cut interest rates so that we can have some economic growth, I think is what he was saying. Hmm. Now, I think, he's, so, so his big, okay, so we know that there's a, a deficit, right, a 327 yes. billion rand <clears throat> right. deficit for this year. And if he doesn't get more tax money in, 
and keep spending the way he's spending, it doesn't work, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's, his big, um, card, draw card is that he's trying to cut 160 billion rand off the public sector wage bill. I think that's a bit dreamy, unfortunately. I, I don't think it's possible. I that, think that he even got that in, though, is a ma- a mir- uh, miraculous. You're, you're spot on, right? The fact that it was approved and passed mm. is fantastic. I mean, and no finance minister acts on his own, right? He he has to, to be successful. He has to have right. the backing of the president, and so it will. I, I think it will play out. The way it will play out, I guess. We, we can't really tell. But the fight now is really with the unions. That, that's what I think. And whether or not he can get these public sector, this public sector wage bill down. But mm-hmm. an incredible budget. Like, I honestly could not have expected better. And then, of course, because he's not getting in more money from taxes, the other thing that worries me is that he's going to issue the Reserve Bank will issue more debt and they probably are going to issue quite a bit of foreign debt. And what that means that is if our rand blows out, your interest rate payments on dollar just expands like naturally because your rand is weaker. Mm-hmm. And as it is, our debt service costs are so high already. You know, for this year, we're at 200 billion rand. Oh, my God. That's just the service cost. That's not even capital, right? And we're predicting by next year that it will jump up to 225, just over. Right. Um, And then, of course, Moody's is a concern. I I think, well, why Moody's haven't downgraded us already is a big surprise. Isn't it priced in now? Yes, but they will always, when this happens, not if anymore, apparently, but when this happens, there will still be a knee-jerk market reaction. I think the rand will blow out a bit. Yields, bond yields will. You mean all those economists we were talking about will have to find something else to talk about? No, no. Well, I think <laughs> traders and speculators and investors, okay. not just economists, so blame the poor economists who no, always get it. Who always get it? What? Finish wrong. The right. Thank you. So why do we <laughs> have such say? a thing as an economist if they keep getting it wrong? Show me, show me a one-handed economist. Who is that? <laughs> if, if a physicist, yeah, because they'd cut your hand off if you got it wrong. And then, and then we'd see how many of them are actually good at their jobs. If you did that in physics, you'd be out of a job immediately. What? Cut off your hand? No, if you kept being wrong the whole time, like the economists are. It's just ludicrous that this, this is, this is going to have to be pushed into the humanities as a subject soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, it's, same goes for a surgeon or even something like a bus driver. Imagine. Imagine you were wrong so many times and you never paid the price for it. Outrageous. That's why economists have two hands. They go, on the one hand, yeah. this could happen, no, and then exactly. on the other hand. <laughs> All right. So a few cars. So I told you U.S. reporting season's done, so that's fine. We're moving on. So locally, we still got a few commodity companies reporting. <gasps> Sassel, this company oh. cannot get it right. Like I actually am beginning to feel bad for them now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, sure. Where do I even start? I mean, their gearing is now at 65%, net debt to EBITDA at 2.9 times. They've said it's going to be between 2.6 and 3. So obviously at the higher end, no surprise, uh, dividend cut. <laughs> um, but at 200 rand a share, it is so cheap. It's ridiculous. So if they could generate, and I think they easily can, earnings per share of 30 rand and at 200 rand a share, that's uh, 200 divided by 30. That's close to seven times price earning ratio. This is a share that on average has traded close to 20 times PE ratio. Wow. So 20. At seven now, it is 
like, is it even going to get cheaper? No. Uh, (laughs) I must admit, I did say that, I think, at 9 and 10 as well. (laughs) Um, You know, there are, unfortunately, there are still meaningful risks in the share price. So it's highly leveraged. We don't know what's going to happen to commodities. As I said earlier on, the oil price below $50 a barrel is not good for Sassel. And they're spending so much money on Lake Charles chemical project um, and, and just not getting the production that they had projected. So it, it still looks like it's still too risky, basically, I mean, okay. even at seven times PE ratio. Another mining company that um, reported last week was a saw. So saw is kind of almost like half a holding company because they own 50% in Asmang. And then African Rainbow Mineral, Patrice's business, owns the other 50%. And they, they're mining, and then they own a couple of other things like Drastrophia and all those. And their mining um, product is iron, manganese, and chrome, basically. Um, and so they're 50% holding in Asmang. Didn't prove to go so well because Asmang was, earnings was down 14%. Um, it's a bit of a shocker. The share price was down, or operation, sorry, was down 68%. So, again, just not looking good. Yeah, um, so this African, um, his holding company, what is it called? Uh, Patrice's. Yeah. African Rainbow Minerals. No, the holding a, company. A saw. <clears throat> African it's, Rainbow Investments. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the investments, the one that right. also owns yes, Rain and yes. Time Bank yeah. and so many others. Turns out not to be such a great investment. At the moment. Yeah, it's struggling at the moment. It really is. And it shouldn't be because it really well diversified, strong management team, lots of cash behind it. Right. Yeah, it's kind of bizarre, right? Um, and then BHP Bulletin reported. Now, here's an interesting one because despite not benefiting from the PGM metals, they really reported a great set of results. I mean, I was very surprised to see Bulletin's results. Um, mostly still driven by iron ore, though. Iron ore volumes were like negligible up 2%. Um, but prices were 41% higher in the period. So, of course, they did particularly well. Um, and I think this was really because iron ore supply came under pressure after the Vale Dam incident in... South America somewhere, I think it was. Where was that mm. damn incident? It was there. That um, damn incident. <laughs> damn that incident. <laughs> and and compare this to um, Sassel, right? Their net debt to EBITDA, I said in Sassel it was what? 2.9 times. In Billiton, 0.5 times. So <laughs> like half a percent compared or 0.5 times compared to Sassel. That's so highly geared. So, yeah, so Bulletin, a nice company, nice, solid, diversified miner, just carrying on doing what it does very well. All right. And then lastly, uh, ShopRite released their full year results. Um, so the market was a little bit shocked by this. First, they thought, oh, these are great results. The share was up 10% at one point. And then suddenly they realized that actually maybe there are a few things that they don't understand. Investors, got to love them. Traders, mm-hmm. speculators. Right. And it finished 2% lower on the day. I was quite surprised. It wasn't, I must admit, it was a messy set of results, right? There was hyperinflation. There was IFRS 19. There were like all these like accounting issues and nonsense. 
But actually, the South African company or the South African part of the company managed to grow headline earnings by double digits, so 15.7%. Yeah, which for ShopRite in this economy, I yeah, think, was, was a real coup. Um, the share is trading at about 100 Rand a share, and it's in a 14 times forward price earnings ratio, which I think is reasonable value for a solid, good African retailer. Um, I am worried about the economy less so after last week's budget. Um, so if you hold, have ShopRite shares, I would say hold on to them. And if you don't own ShopRite shares, I think it might be worth taking a little dip, actually. Okay. Yeah. All right. And then this week, we'll see what happens. I mean, we've already had some green markets in Asia this week. Oil's already up 4% this morning. Um, so hopefully we'll be bouncing back post-coronavirus panic.